Let's all stand together for our scripture reading this morning. It's found over in John chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. John chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. God is good. All the time. All the time. Amen. There'll be a lot of churches sharing this scripture this morning and a lot uh, to be preached on here in John chapter 20. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples the Lord Jesus loved and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciples outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked into the uh, stripes of linen, laying there, but did not go in. And Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. And he saw the strips of linen lying there as as the clothes that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. And the clothes that were still laying on the place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. The disciples went back to where they were staying. This time I'd like to go to God in prayer. So glad to have Brother Eric Davis uh, here with us this morning. And I'm going to ask him to lead us in a word of prayer. Brother Eric, amen. You may be seated. Then they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. The empty tomb. Praise be to God. It's Easter, isn't it? Amen? And not only is it a day where we are with our family, and we have food with our family, and we have collect eggs and all those type of things, but we first and foremost know this is the day that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was able to conquer the grave. Amen? The day that we look at as Christians is what we base our faith upon. As Christians, we look and we say to ourselves, even the grave couldn't keep my Jesus down. And we as Christians live that away every day. I'm proud to, proud to know that Jesus is alive and well on Easter. Amen? But you know what else? Jesus is alive and well when? Each and every day. Each and every day we should wake up and say to ourselves, Praise be to God, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will be glad in what? And rejoice in it. And every day I will do my very best to serve this risen Lord. A Savior that went through so much. We think a lot about, in the scriptures, about how that Jesus hung upon that cross and the terrible things that went on before that, but there were so many things on the way to that empty tomb that Jesus had to go through. We see many places and many people that turned their back upon Jesus, folks that Jesus loved, folks that meant so much to Jesus. We find over in in chapters 26 and 27 of Matthew that Jesus was betrayed by even the ones that he loved. Judas betrayed him for just a little silver. Have you ever had somebody that you truly had faith and trust in? 
Somebody that you believe that had your back no matter what. But Jesus had his disciples, didn't he? And Jesus had them around about him at all times, teaching them and showing them the way and giving them the understanding that they need in their heart and their life to be able to carry on the ministry even after Jesus was gone. But here's, here's Jesus going through one of the most troublesome times of his life. When he knew he was going to face death, where he knew he was going to face agony, where he knew that he was going to face people mocking his name. And here's Judas, close to Jesus, that had heard the words that Jesus had said, that had been there and saw these miracles that Jesus had done, and Judas to turn their back upon Jesus. Folks, so often we're like that too, aren't we? Maybe not for some silver, but so often in our lives we, we sway, stray away from God and we do not allow God to be that center of our lives. We don't say to ourselves, you know, I want Jesus to be the center point of my life every day. I don't know about you all, but in my life I know this. Without Jesus, I'm nothing. Every day we have to allow Jesus to do what? God direct and bless us. Every day we have to say to ourselves, Lord, I'm not going to be a Judas. I am not going to turn my back upon you. Every day, dear Lord, I'm going to be there with you. No matter what happens, no matter what troublesome times I go through, and I've been around long enough to know something. I don't understand everything that goes on in the world. I don't understand everything that goes on in my life. I don't understand everything that goes on in your life. But I do know something, that if I lean upon Jesus, I'm going to make it through. And if I lean upon the will of God, I'm going to make it through. If I do my very best not to be Judas and sway away from God, but be there with God. We also see on the way to the cross that Jesus was in the garden. And what did he do? Jesus was praying and talking to his heavenly Father, asking what? Lord, let this cup pass from me. Lord, I don't know if I'm going to be able to withstand this task that's been laid ahead of me. Christians today, I believe that we need to learn from Jesus. You need to find your place of prayer, don't you? A place that you talk to God. A place that you share to God. One of the things that I've trying to understand I'm by myself a lot more than I used to be you know when I go to physical therapy there's all kinds of people there to talk to me but on those days that I'm at the house by myself Sheila will come home and believe it or not sometimes I have to learn how to talk again just to say something to her because all day long I'm there by myself but you know what actually I'm not because you know what I can talk to God anytime anytime no matter where I am, no matter what you're facing in your life, you can talk to God. Don't be ashamed of that. Talk to God, and as Jesus talked to his heavenly Father, what Jesus let him know what was upon his mind, what he was going through, how troublesome it was what he was facing. Jesus talked to his heavenly Father and, and felt that peace of God. That's a wonderful thing to feel. To feel today is to feel that grace of God, to feel His Spirit. I, I can tell 
and setting up here the other night, it was a great place to sit. I could see everybody. I also could see the preachers. And you could just sort of feel that spirit, couldn't you? And when the spirit fell, uh, come down upon the preacher, the rest of you out there, I could see you and you were feeling it too. Why was that? Because we had that same mindset, didn't we? We wanted to feel that presence of God in our lives. Also, we see how that Jesus went through so much leading up to the cross, how that people treated him terribly, how that he went through so many terrible times and, and people second-guessing him and saying he's not doing the will of God, he's not doing the will of his heavenly Father. And then you hear about those seven words that the preachers talked about. I want you to think about that. They're more than just words, aren't they? They were actually something that happened. It's just not something that was wrote down for us to have a service here on Friday night. But it was actually something that took place. It hurts my heart to think about Jesus carrying that old heavy cross, doesn't it, you? How that he was carrying that heavy cross. And what is so amazing about that cross is not only was he carrying a cross, you know what else he was carrying? He was carrying all the sins of the world upon that cross. And when I look at my own life, if Jesus was just carrying my sins, that's heavy enough, right? But you know what? Jesus is carrying all of our sins upon that cross. And how long of a walk that must have been when Jesus felt the weight of the world's sins upon his shoulders. But I'm glad today, and you should be able to say amen to this, Jesus didn't give up on my sins. Amen? What did he do? He carried it all the way. He finished what he started. And then hanging upon that old rugged cross, the things that, that went on, the dignity that he was losing as he was hanging there before all of these people, people that were saying, see, I told you. I told you. He's not the one that God is going to send. If he, he was the God that was going to rule over our nation and would be the one that takes care of all of us and leads us and guides us, that he would not be hanging upon that cross to die. He would be able to conquer that cross. He would be able to step away from that cross. Let me tell you today, that symbol of that cross, what does it say to us? It says to me, God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die upon a cross to give me everything I needed. To give me everything I needed. He could have called, and I truly believe this, and you do too. He could have called 10,000 what? 10,000 angels to come and take him down off of that cross. I'm sure if I was hanging there and I had 10,000 angels that would descend upon me at this the call of my voice, it would have been very hard not to say, God, that's enough. God, come and get me. God, take me off this cross. I can't handle this anymore. But as Jesus was hanging there, he was hanging upon that cross so that you and I don't have to hang there, right? He was giving it all for you. And so often we take that so for granted, don't we? Oh, it was just a cross, and oh, it was just 
old nails that they drove in his hands and in his feet and those thorns that they put upon his head. That was just a part of what went on. No, it wasn't. I want you to know something today. Every nail that was driven into Jesus' hands and into his feet, Jesus felt every blow, didn't he? He felt every one of those. And as they drove those into his hands, and he drove those into his feet, and as they lifted that cross where he could hardly breathe, where he was hardly hanging on to have one more breath. You know who was on his mind? Me and you and your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids, people all around about you. He died not to make a big statement, not for God to be able to say, I gave everything that I have. He died upon that cross for you and for me and every person that takes a breath every day. Why did he do that? Because he loved you then. He's loved you every day of your life. He's loved you since the very first breath that you ever took. Heather's back there this morning. I'm not going to embarrass her. I did that for many, many years when I was preaching. I know I did. But let me tell you what. When when Sheila brought Heather into the world and we had a little problems there, the cry of a baby is something extra special, isn't it? The first cry that they make. Let me tell you what. The first cry that you cried, Jesus was there with you, wasn't he? He knows you. He knows you by name. He knows you by just simply the way that you talk. He knows you by your actions. Why? He made you. He knows everything about you. And why would he do that? Why would he die upon a cross? Why would he do all of these things? Because Jesus realizes something. Jesus wants you to be a Christian on the face of this earth and do everything that you can glorify him on this earth. But Jesus also understood something else. There is a better place than this. Amen. There is a better place in this world. And Jesus wants you to experience it. He wants you to be able to see what heaven's like. To feel what heaven's like. To be able to walk with him. To be able to see him. But here's Jesus on that cross. Dying upon that cross. Going through all that agony. Going through all of that pain. And one of the words that hurts us as Christians more than any of those seven words. They're all beautiful and they all have wonderful meaning. But when I hear Jesus say, it is finished. Well, that cuts to your heart, doesn't it? What's it mean? It is finished. The preacher said, Preach the other night can explain it a whole lot better than I can. But let me tell you what it sort of means to me. It's finished. This old world that I've been trying to live in. And all these things that they've done to me. And all the ways that they've treated me. And all of these people that's walked away from me. And all of these people that have cursed my name. 
and all these people that struck my back with whelps and left whelps there and put those nails in my feet and put those nails in my hands and those thorns upon my head and gave me vinegar to drink. Let me tell you what. I'm sure it was in Jesus' mind as he says, it's finished. I've took what you've dealt out. I've done everything that has been required of me. Now what? Now I'm going to show you who my daddy is. I'm going to show you what all of this was about. I'm going to show you how much I love you. I'm going to show you that no matter what, even death can't tie me down. Because that's the love I have for you. That's what I want for you. I'm sure when Jesus said it's finished and all of the soldiers and all the ones that were standing around and all of the Sanhedrin and all the others that have called Jesus to be able to be at that place of dying upon that cross, I'm sure they all looked at each other and said, See, we did it. See, we done it. We was able to do what nobody thought was able to be done. We have destroyed Jesus. We have caused him to say it's finished. It's over. He's done. We will never, ever, ever have to deal with him again. He will not be out here healing people. He will not be out here saving people. He will not be out here going against the law. He's done. He is finished. I love it when it says, Jesus didn't even have a place to go, did he? He didn't even have a place to be buried. Here's Jesus that had so much and did so many things, but here he is at the end of his life, and he doesn't even have a place to be laid. Well, one of the things that I'm glad of is Jesus didn't sign a year contract, did he? Didn't sign six months. He didn't even have to do a prolonged lease, did he? Because Jesus knew something. What I need a place, I'm only going to stay three days. And he had to be laid in what? A borrowed tomb. As a young Christian, that is one of the things that really made me realize how important Jesus was to me. See, Jesus is just like me and you. He doesn't expect anything extra special. All he wants to do is do the work of God. And here they laid him in a borrowed tomb. I think it's sort of funny. You may too. They wrote a big old stone in front of that borrowed tomb. What else did they do? Brought some, yeah, they sealed it. They brought some soldiers, had people watching all over. Because you know what? Some of them people that said it's finished when they heard Jesus say it's finished and they were so excited they still had a little doubt, didn't they? Because why? They'd seen what he'd done. They had seen how wonderful and how powerful Jesus was and they said, well, we got him down. Sort of like society today. We live in a world today that if somebody's down and still helping them up, we're going to do what? Kick them a little harder. And do everything that we can to keep him down. They thought to themselves, we've got him in that tomb. Let's keep him in that tomb. Well, what is sort of silly about this situation 
Do you think that an old big old rock can keep Jesus down? I don't think so. Do you think a sealed tomb can keep my Jesus down? No, I don't think so. Do you think all the troops in the United States of America and Russia, wherever they may be, do you, or in Ukraine, do you think they can keep my Jesus down? No. Why? Jesus had something that all those folks didn't have. He had the power of God. The power of God. And on the third day, on the third day, that Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost came together, didn't they? Came together to be able for to be able to conquer that grave. Folks, you're going to hear that every Easter as long as we're here. You're going to hear about Jesus dying upon the cross. But until you turn your heart and life over to him, until you make that decision, Karen talked about, what was that, Karen, 50 years ago? On Easter Sunday, she turned her heart and life over to Jesus. You know what's so amazing about this? Is Jesus would have done all that just for Karen Davis. He did it all just for what? Put your name in there. He did it all just for you. And on this Easter Sunday morning, let me ask you a very personal question, okay? Is your heart and life right with God? You might say, well, preacher, I, you know, I want it to be. I, I, I think it is. I liked it when Russell Mills said the other day when he's, other night when he's praying with somebody he said if you turn your heart and life over to Jesus Christ and they say I think I have he says well, we need to pray a little bit more right there's no thinking you got to know you got to know that you know right today do you, do you know that you know that Jesus is in your heart and your life and you have turned your whole entire life over to him if, you've, or if you're second-guessing that, if there's something that's going on in your life that you need to ask forgiveness of, let me tell you something. There is not a single person here at Bethlehem that's going to question you coming to the altar. You want to know why? Because most of us that are here have been here before, haven't we? We've been at the altar. We, we've, we've had situations in our lives. I had, when I was in the hospital... Sheila would respond to text, but I every once in a while when I was awake for a little while, I would read, read some of the text, and there would be people who'd say, I didn't think that would ever happen to you. And I would think, well, I'm just like anybody else, right? It can happen to you. It can happen to anybody. But you don't know what? You want to make sure because when Jesus died upon the cross, he died so that this world is not your home. He died upon a cross so that you could have a chance to be with him in heaven. Today, wouldn't it be great? I don't know how the Lord, long the Lord tarries. But wouldn't it be great five years from now if we're still here, you could come to church and say, five years ago, I turned my heart and life over to Jesus Christ. That'd be great. It'd be great just to say that tomorrow, wouldn't it? Today, if you've not turned your heart and life over to Jesus Christ, what are you waiting on? 
What are you waiting on? Today is the day for your salvation. And whatever you face, I still believe it, and I'm going to say this a whole lot more. I believe Jesus is in the healing business still. If you're sitting there today in agony and pain and you've talked to doctors and you've talked to specialists and you've talked to, to other people and they, they say there's not much else they can do, well, one of the great things about Jesus is not only is he the person that died upon the cross for your sins, but he's also the great physician, isn't he? So today, you know, won't you tell Jesus what's going on? I hear today there's more depression and more anxiety and more things in the world than ever before. More people are taking their lives and more people are abusing themselves and more people are abusing people around about them than ever before. That can change with the help of Jesus. Today, if you need to pray about those things, Jesus will hear and Jesus will answer those as well. So this morning, we're going to have a closing song. And whatever Jesus has laid upon your heart, we invite you to come as we sing and stand together this morning.